based on what we've seen from a lot of cases and a lot of meetings that I've had to do, being on the uh, COVID committee, most of the cases that we're seeing are being caused by people that aren't vaccinated. So I think it's extremely important that we kind of stay on top of these things and for the safety of our families, for the safety of our loved ones and people we care about, it's a no-brainer. We all watched the playoffs and seen what happened and seen how the season ended. We've seen the stories about you know him not reporting to camp, him being willing to kind of sit out, wants to be traded, not happy. He is best suited to be around spacers. He is best suited to be able to get up and down and control the ball. And I think, you know, whether that's the Sixers or someone else, that's where you'll get the, the best version of Ben Simmons and all he has to handle. Media Day was a whirlwind of reading scripts, doing promos, dribbling, signing basketballs, signing pennants, signing t-shirts. And then basically all the stuff you see during games uh, on the Jumbotrons, all the in-arena entertainment and action is, is recorded on Media Day. to the 122nd episode of Pull Up. That's right, 122 episodes. It's currently Wednesday, September 29th, 2021, exactly 10 days after one of the greatest human beings ever was born. That would be myself. And on this date, September 30th in 2000, the U.S. men's Olympic team won its 12th gold medal with an 85-75 to 75 victory over France. Vince Carter led the Olympic team that year with 14.8 points per game. Thanks again for tuning into the Pull Up Pod. The season has officially started and we had media day on Monday. Monday was media day. Practice officially started for the Portland Trailblazers on Tuesday. Media day was a whirlwind of emotions, of reading scripts, doing promos, dribbling, signing basketballs, signing pennants, signing t-shirts. For those of you that aren't aware of what media day is, for us, the Portland Trailblazers, I take the early spot. So I usually start with a team physical with our doctors where we kind of check the body out, make sure everything is good before we have an official practice day. So that started at 7.30. I then drove to the arena. I got to the arena around 8.07 a.m. I ate my breakfast. I had about 50 ounces of water in by about 8.25. And I began signing basketballs. Uh, we basically go through all the merch we need to sign for the season, for partners, for, for season ticket holders, and for some of the um, corporations that we work with uh, as a part of, you know, Boys and Girls Club and things of that nature. So that's about an hour straight of just signing everything you can think of, jerseys, sometimes it's shoes, hats, T-shirts, pennants, um, basketballs for days. And we kind of go through that. And then they set up stations all around the arena. Basically, all the stuff you see during games uh, on the Jumbotrons, all the in-arena um, entertainment and action is, is recorded preseason. Um, so we're basically dribbling in front of green screens, you know, reading off scripts, singing songs, guessing uh, what the song is, um, having to kind of play the, the read the lips uh, game where you got music on, you can't really hear, and you're trying to read lips and kind of uh, imagine what people are saying. We basically go through all of those things on media day. And... We also have a welcome, you know, to a new season type of meeting where we meet with the business uh, of operation, business of basketball operations. We meet with um, all, you know, executive staff. So Chris McGowan, our president, uh, Neil O'Shea, our GM, all our coaches and people that uh, work within the organization uh, that help out with community stuff and beyond. So you kind of get an introduction to um, people you'll be working with throughout this season. And then you go back to finishing stations. So I got there at 8.07. I got home at uh, 2.57. So that's how long 
that day was. And then you have your normal team meeting to go over rules, um, expectations for the season. Uh, with us having a new coach in place and Chauncey and a new staff, it's important we get familiar with each other and what's expected of us having gone through, you know, the the, the same kind of culture, the same understanding of, you know, what time you got to be in the building, uh, what time you have to be taped, uh, what time is treatment, do you have two-a-days? That's kind of like the lay of the land on what we went through. Um, and then we started two-a-days on Tuesday. Practices are at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. when we have two-a-days and at 11 a.m. when we have one practice. But that obviously means players like me and, and the rest of the guys are getting in early, you know, getting treatment, getting on the table, kind of making sure everything is in place and that they're moving the way they should be to kind of maximize uh, their body types and, and our body types and so that we can have success on the court. And then you go through your entire day. So it's, it's very hectic. A lot of guys are exhausted. A lot of guys are tired. And, and for the rookies, it's kind of like a crash course on what life is like in the NBA. So th that's been extremely uh, fun for me to see as a guy who's been in the league now, eight going on nine years, all the players that kind of come through, what it was like for them uh, in their previous work environments on previous organizations, uh, what they kind of went through, what their training camps were like. So it's fun for me to be able to ask guys questions that have been in the league for a while to kind of get an understanding of what we've been going through here in Portland and what that's been like compared to their experiences. But this is the first time in my career that I've had a new head coach in Chauncey. It is different for me uh, being able to to have, you know, Terry and those guys for so many years. You kind of got comfortable, understood the terminology, understood what was expected of you, knew the offense, knew the defense knew how he was going to kind of do rotations. I knew practice times before he would send them out. I knew what time we were going to be leaving before he would send them out. So for us having Chauncey and a new staff, it's almost like we're, you know, experienced rookies again because we understand the game of basketball. We understand how to prepare, but the terminology may be different. What's expected of us may be different. And obviously we have new offensive and defensive concepts. So I've had to pay kind of extra attention, you know, getting early, getting there early, staying late, kind of focusing on plays, being able to ask questions, um, it's fun because it's challenging, but you see how some of the terminology may be different, but it's a lot of the same actions uh, that most teams run. They just have different words for them uh, on occasion. So that, that's been a real fun challenge for us, putting in a lot of different plays. And this is probably the first time uh, since you know my second year in the league where I have to stay after practice and, and kind of go over plays because uh, it's everything is, everything is new and everything is different than what we're accustomed to. And I think it's going to be a fun, unique challenge for everybody involved. Moving on, as I talked about, you know, to start, September is one of the greatest months of all time, if not the greatest month of all time. And I recently celebrated my 30th birthday uh, on September 19th, which was a couple Sundays ago. And I spent some time in San Diego, one of my favorite places. My wife threw a surprise birthday party uh, full of a lot of different events, which was which was dope. She did a great job with that. And a lot of my friends and family and people that I really messed with were able to show up and uh, celebrate and just get some time away. We did do COVID testing and all the, the proper protocols that, that are necessary to kind of ensure safety. A lot of the stuff that we did was outside actually on the beach, which is nice because it's peaceful. It's warm and I love to have my feet in the sand. So that was a lot of fun. And then right before we started training camp, um, I tried to get home whenever I can and go see my grandmother, go see my mother, my father, uh, my aunts, and, and some of the people that, you know, have been a part of my life since, since the beginning. And I took some of them to a Browns game. Uh, we went to the Browns-Bears game, um, which was really, really cool. Uh, field access, obviously, you know, in my home state where I'm able to kind of check things out and just kind of rem reminisce on my childhood. 
you know, how I rooted for the Browns and they weren't very good, how I wasn't able to go to a lot of games, you know, growing up and now to kind of see life come full circle to where I can go to the games, I can be on the field, I can allow my family to kind of have those experiences that we probably would have never had in our lives and, you know, be in a suite, order food, do those things. And then the icing on the cake is to watch my Browns dominate and be like Super Bowl contenders is honestly a dream come true uh, for me. The game was super dope because Justin Fields, an Ohio State graduate, I don't even know, uh, I'm sure he probably graduated, Ohio State quarterback who is now in the NFL, was getting his first start. The bad news is that it didn't go very well. Um, he, he wasn't honestly put in a position to succeed. Their coach didn't necessarily do a great job of utilizing his skills and the skills around his team. Um, he was sacked nine times. Miles Garrett, who's you know arguably the best defensive end in the NFL, a monster. He recorded a team record four and a half stacks, sacks. Could have had five and a half. Um, Fields got away one other time, and our other dog was able to get him down, Javion Clowney. So we're in a really good spot as, as Browns fans. I got to chop it up with some of my homies. Baker, obviously, it's bag season for him. He understands what we need to accomplish as an organization. And he understands what he needs to accomplish personally for him to get that bag that's waiting for him at the end of the season. I just told him to keep being him. I think the biggest thing uh, in the sports world is to, is to respect everybody and to show love, but also encourage people. And I think for Baker, you know, he was thrown in the fire. Being the number one pick and having to go to Cleveland is, is it's not an easy task by any means. They were not very good before he got there. Historically, they've struck out on picks in general, especially quarterbacks. So to see him have success, to see the Browns kind of turn around and have a winning record since he's taken over as a starter kind of shows you the progressions that we've made as a franchise and that he's made as a player. And I just told him, like, don't don't worry about proving people wrong. Continue to prove yourself right and lead those guys to, to victory. And hopefully he can take my Browns to heights we've never seen before. I talked to my guy Juice before the game. Um, in previous years, but Juice was hurt, so I wasn't able to talk to him. But OBJ, you know, came over and said, what's up? And I just kind of welcomed him back. As a guy who's been hurt, I know how um, depressing life can be. I know what goes into that from a mental standpoint. Physically, you're not the same when you're recovering, when you're rehabbing. You can't do a lot of things that you're accustomed to doing. So it can be frustrating. It can be tough on the body. It can be tougher on the mind. And I just wanted to tell him, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see him back out there, do his thing, and, and have fun with it. Because I, I know the emotions that go into that process having, you know, been hurt many times throughout my career. So that was just a really cool moment. And then obviously being with my family, eating, taking pictures for days, and seeing a lot of, you know, Brown's retirees that, that were there. Joe Thomas' suite was by mine. Josh Cribb's suite was by mine. Um, a lot of other p- players that are no longer playing in the NFL were there. So it was just a really, really cool environment to see all the tailgating. Um, obviously, you know, being able to get a glizzy, you know, hot dogs, sausage, pizza, Quaker steak and lube wings, some of my favorite wings of all time. It was just a super dope situation. Browns are 2-1. and one. We got an easy game coming up this week, so hopefully we can get the 3-1, and one, and then Juice should be coming back soon, Travis Landry, for those of you that don't know. We have two of the best running backs in the league. Stefanski is a stud. Great play caller. He's aggressive. He's not afraid to go for it on fourth downs. And he's got our guys playing football the right way, which is what we love to see. And on the the brighter side of all of this, my fantasy team in one of my big money leagues is two and one. We're doing what we're supposed to do. I'm happy about it. The season is here. Everything is going well. As I was saying, 
The season has officially started and there's a lot of health and safety protocols being discussed, things that are being put in place and us having to kind of maneuver a very tough situation, which is playing a season in the midst of a pandemic, which is not impossible to do, but it's very, very hard. For me specifically, it's an easy decision for me to get vaccinated. It was an easy decision for our family to get vaccinated um, with the position that I'm in, um, understanding that I have a lot of people that could be exposed at any given time. My wife, who's pregnant or expecting a child, it makes sense. Uh, anybody that's been in my house or that will come in my house for the foreseeable future must be vaccinated or they're not welcome. That's just kind of how we operate you know, in our household. And I'm fortunate enough to be on a team where we have 100% vaccination across the board on not only players, but also all staff, um, all basketball staff and people that work in basketball operations uh, are vaccinated, which is great because you understand the severity of, of this situation and what we're facing um, with the coronavirus and with the Delta virus that's kind of evolved uh, from all of these things. And it's not to say that we can't ever get COVID because there's a lot of people who have have gotten COVID and, and that are vaccinated, but the chances of you getting it and having actual side effects is, has, it, it basically decreases um, exponentially. And, and obviously the chances of you being able to spread it decreases. And based on what we've seen from a lot of cases and a lot of meetings that I've had to do being on the um, COVID committee uh, per se, most of the cases that we're seeing um, are being caused by people that aren't vaccinated. So I think it's extremely important that we kind of stay on top of these things and for the safety of our families, for the safety of our loved ones and people we care about. Um, it's, it's a no-brainer. And having conversations with a lot of our staff, with a lot of people who have immunocompromised people in the house, it's, it's really important that you protect them. Um, you don't want to be an asymptomatic carrier who, who takes something home and potentially harms someone you, you care about a lot. Uh, for me personally, I would never be able to forgive myself if I brought something home to my wife or my future son or my grandmother or my mother or my father, or anyone that you, know, that you care deeply about. And I think our teammates and, and my teammates have kind of echoed the same thing. Dame has three kids. Some of my other teammates have, have children on the way. They have people that are in their house that are over 50 who are at high risk for complications. And hearing some of the stories, you know, obviously from players who have lost people um, from COVID, but also hearing stories from some of my family members that have contracted COVID, uh, there's a lot of things that aren't normal after you you have COVID. From a memory standpoint, the cognitive functions aren't the same. Neurologically, you're not the same. And physically, I've heard stories about 20-year-olds and 22 and 23-year-olds having to, you know, use inhalers and things of that nature who are in peak performance and peak shape. So I just wanted to kind of highlight some of the positives, you know, with us being over 90% vaccinated, obviously it's not 100 and we're, we're making our way towards that number and continuing to try to encourage people from an educational standpoint. But I think the biggest thing that we've seen, um, throughout the league and, and throughout my life as a professional athlete is that um, we've done a great job of surrounding ourselves with experts. For me personally, I have a chef. Um, I have a, a very good agent in Sam Goldfeder. I have a very good you know, group of people that help me out you know, on a day-to-day -day basis like Ashley and, and, and Lauren and, and Joe, my financial advisor, and so many people who are experts in certain areas. And I trust them. I trust the amount of hours they put in. I trust the amount of work they put in. And as Malcolm Gladwell would say, you know, it's a 10,000-hour rule. And the same goes for me and my basketball abilities. I'm a very good basketball player who spends 
the majority of my time watching games, playing games, working out, lifting, doing everything I can to make sure I'm, I'm a great basketball player. The same can be said for healthcare workers. They spend their lives trying to figure out ways to, to keep us safe. They spend their lives trying to figure out ways to provide cures for us. I've had multiple surgeries. I've had multiple injuries to where I put my trust in the doctors. And I think it's important that we as a society continue to put our trust in the doctors who have done this their entire life. And having family that work in healthcare, I understand how seriously they take a lot of these things. And I think the same can be said for doctors. They know what they're doing. They're the experts and we need to listen to them. Um, I don't listen to a lot of people on Twitter. I don't pay much attention to a lot of things because I know I'm an expert in basketball. And I think that we should put more trust in the people who have literally done nothing but spend their, their life's work on figuring out ways to make society a better place. Stay tuned because we got a lot more coming up. We'll break down the Sixers. We'll break down Clay Thompson. We'll break down 2K ratings and so much more. So make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us with a five-star review. Share the show with a friend and tell that friend to tell a friend. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod for fresh content all season long. There's obviously been a lot of talk about the Sixers on TV lately, specifically Ben Simmons. And obviously I'm mentioning some of those trades, but I, I think it's only right that I, I kind of talk about this Ben Simmons situation, uh, specifically on like a, a fit standpoint for him and like him playing against Embiid and what that kind of looks like going forward. And if it's going to happen kind of going forward, I think we've seen a shift in, in players becoming more vocal, but I think historically players have always been vocal about you know their happiness or their role or their fit or potentially wanting out. And I have an example. You know, Steve Francis obviously was in the, I think, 99 draft a little, little while ago. He was the second overall pick, and he was drafted by the Vancouver Grizzlies. And he poked his lip out, he pouted, and he was nearly in tears on draft night and basically said that he didn't want to uh, report to Canada. He didn't want to go. He wasn't a fan of it. He wanted to kind of stay close to home and that he was unhappy. He was eventually traded before the season actually started before opening night. And I say all this to say that people were talking about player empowerment, how players have too much power and players have this or they have that. And, and I'm just trying to let people know that this has been happening for a very, very, very long time. Well, before I was in the NBA and will happen well after I'm out of the NBA, but for this situation in Philly, obviously we all watched the playoffs and seen what happened and seen how the season ended. We've seen the press conferences. We've seen the tweets. We've seen the stories about you know him not reporting to camp, him being willing to kind of sit out, wants to be traded, not happy uh, with the situation. And then recently, the fit has come up. So people first talked about, you know, why isn't he reporting? Is it this? Is it that? Is it the fans? Is it what they said about him? Whatever. Now there's re reports that it's more so the fit, you know, not feeling like, you know, he, he, his, his style complements MB style. You know, two guys who operate around the paint, two guys who need the ball in their hands, um, two guys who aren't necessarily spacers. And I, I think that if we look at it from, from that standpoint, you know, of Ben kind of saying like, hey, look, I, I'm a guy who's ball dominant and you know, I can get down here. I can make plays for my teammates. I'm, I'm a top five defender in the NBA. I'm an all-star, perennial all-star. And I'm a guy who can be a defensive player of the year each year. I need the ball in my hands. I need guys around me that can shoot and I need space. And if I'm playing with a center like him, I don't necessarily have space. I think you have to look at that situation and say, you know, from a 
player empowerment standpoint, if he's kind of evaluating, you know, how he can be the best version of himself, he has a right to kind of do that and kind of say like, hey, these are the reasons why I think I should be moved to X, Y, Z. So I think that the situation has kind of evolved. And if you look at it from a pure basketball standpoint, uh, what he's what he's saying kind of makes sense because he is best suited to be around spacers. He is best suited to be able to get up and down and control the ball. And I think, you know, whether that's the Sixers or someone else, that's where you'll get the the best version of Ben Simmons and all he has to handle. As far as the, the trade rumors surrounding me, I've kind of addressed that on media day, but I understand, you know, fans have a right to their own opinion. Fans want to see, you know, their team succeed and want to see them you know, win a championship. And those are the same things that I want to see. And I, I don't take, I don't take it um, for granted. I don't take being able to be an NBA player for granted. And I understand that what comes with the territory in terms of trade rumors and things of that nature. So it doesn't really phase me. I'm unbothered. Uh, I do my job to the best of my ability. I show up, you know, every day early and I stay late and I put my best foot forward. And I think, you know, in a world where there's so much going on, it's important that we're thankful and we give respect to those who have given you a chance. And our organization has done a great job of allowing me to be the best version of myself. You know, Jody, um, Neil, our front office, and our previous coaching staffs have done a great job of allowing me to continue to, to take strides in the right direction. So I'm forever grateful and, and look forward to this season and what we can accomplish together um, in search and in hope of a championship. Pull up or dish? One of my favorite topics on the pull up pod. We get to talk about Clay Thompson. I'm a big, big Clay Thompson fan. Um, he's set to return this season. Guy is great two way player, can shoot the ball, moves well without the ball. He can score 60 with, with no dribbles. <laughs> One of the only players, I think, in the NBA, you know, who can put up those types of numbers without dribbling, conditioning, movement, backdoor cuts, shoots the three with ease. He hasn't played in the game since June 13th of 2019. He tore his ACL in game six of the NBA Finals, and he's been rehabbing from the injury. Uh, and then he tore his Achilles during an offseason workout in November of 2020. But Steve Kerr said that Clay is out there on the floor. He looks great. He's shooting lights out. He's smiling, joking, and having fun. And it's great to see him back. I'm happy to see him back and, and hope that, you know, he returns sooner than later. Obviously, they're going to kind of take it easy and slow roll him and make sure that he's healthy. But the NBA is in a better spot. The world is in a better place. The Warriors are in a better place uh, when they're healthy. And we look forward to seeing Clay back. Uh, I'm pulling up on the Warriors as a lock to make the playoffs with a healthy Clay. I think you look at Clay, Dre, Steph. Wiseman will be coming back. Wiggins potentially playing this season. They have a very good team. Obviously, they have a championship pedigree. They're well coached. Great management, front office. And they know what it takes to make the playoffs. Having just missed it last season without Clay, I think they're going to be in position to, to do some damage once they get healthy and get everybody back. Um, I think... Clay definitely would have helped them make the playoffs last year, obviously. He gives them shooting. He gives them depth. He gives them an understanding of, of a winning mentality and how it's done. And he's also very selfless. You know, those guys screen, they cut, they do all the little things, and that's what makes them successful. And for, for arguably two of the best shooters of all time to ever play the game, you'd be surprised how many open looks they get because of an emphasis on screening that the Warriors have in place. NBA 2K ratings are out. But before we get to that, we have to talk about back-to-backs. Back-to-backs are here. We're going to have a lot of back-to-backs this season. I think we start with 10 games in 14 days to start a season, two, five, and sevens, which means we're going to have some back-to-backs. So taking care of the body is extremely important. And I just want to reiterate to everybody out there, take care of your bodies. 
eat right, get the amount of sleep that you need. And to my NBA friends, take care of your bodies because it's going to be a long, long season with a lot of games. NBA 2K22 ratings are out. I don't really play video games anymore because I'm too busy running the world. <laughs> but a lot of my uh, young boys play. A lot of my, my cousins play. My friends, guys across the league play. So they've kind of let me know that the ratings came out a few weeks ago. I am an 85 overall, which is eh, whatever. I'm not tripping. Uh, I think that I'm a, a pretty good player, so I'm not mad at it. I have a 90 in outside scoring and specifically a 97 at the mid-range. I do agree with that. My mid-range is automatic. Shout out to Pull Up. Shout out to the Pull Up Pod. Um, I think that my three ball should definitely be higher. I definitely think that it should be higher, but it is what it is. And most importantly, I have a 98 on intangibles, which means I do things the right way. Uh, I'm a great teammate. I'm a great locker room guy. I'm also a great leader. So I, I respect that. I'm happy about that and look forward to seeing my ratings improve and, and, and rise. Dame was rated an 87 from three. Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Joe Ingles are all rated above Dame from three, and he's tied with Tony Snell. Tony Snell is my guy, 50-50-100, so nothing against him. Seth can shoot, Joe can shoot, Joe can shoot, but do they shoot better than Dame? I'm unsure. I'm unsure. His shooting off the dribble is unquestionable. His catch and shoot is there. He just doesn't get a lot of them, but I think 2K has to do better. They got to do better with that. Um... I'm not tripping about my rating, as I said before, 85. We'll, we'll, we'll allow it to raise, we'll allow it to rise uh, based on the work I'm going to do on the floor. And maybe when I get a little bit higher, I'll pick the video game up and play with some of the homies. But those are my thoughts. I am dishing on my NBA 2K rating because I know it'll be higher when I'm done. Cue to wine music, please. As you all know, I have a wine called McCullum Harris 91. And we recently released the 2019 Pinot Noir. I would highly recommend you check it out. The price point is around 50 bucks, give or take, depending on shipping and where you're at, all those things. But it's very, very good. Hints of raspberry, nutmeg. It's elegant. It's smooth. It's volcanic soil. It's all the things you could imagine in a bottle and more. And if you don't want to drink it, you can hold it and drink it later because it ages beautifully. But you can get that at McCollumHarris91.com. Dot com. I highly, highly recommend it. Very, very smooth uh, with, with, with taste reminiscent of the 18, but more raspberry than cherry. P pairs well with everything. Pastas, pizza, sausage, things that are high in acidity. Also, things that are low in acidity will be great for this wine. And as I said before, french fries, popcorn, chips, nuts, snacks, those all do really well with McCollum Haters 91. As always, be sure you're following the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Hit the show up on social at Pull Up Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're always posting fresh content there all season long. And as the saying goes, don't forget to pull up. <laughs>